take a moment and pray. Father, thank you so much that you are here with us. Lord, thank you so much that you're always with us. No matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our life, you are present. Lord, our prayer is to help us be present with you because you are here. So, Lord, thank you. You meet us in praise and adoration. Thank you that you meet us in your word, which does not come back void and is truth. And thank you, Lord, that you'll meet us at the altar in the breaking of the bread. Continue to meet us right now, Lord, so that we could leave here different from the way we came in because we met with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You ever tired of feeling stuck? You get in those moments in life and things going on in your life and you're just stuck. I get stuck often in my life, sometimes more stuck than other times. But we have these seasons or we have these moments or we have these circumstances that go on in our life and we get stuck. We get stuck in our finances. We get stuck in a job that we have. We get stuck in a broken relationship. We get stuck in our daily responsibilities. We get stuck in our past. We get stuck worrying about our future. We get stuck in worry in general. We get stuck in fear, in doubt, in anxiousness. We get stuck in depression. We get stuck in shame. And all these things lead to one thing. It all leads to feeling hopeless. It leads us to a place of hopelessness because we're stuck and we don't know how to get out of that stuckness or how to get out of that direction. And, and, and the truth is that over the years, what I've discovered is that the one common denominator in being stuck is me. That that's the reality of the stuckness. It's, it's me. I have all these circumstances going on in my life. And what they all point to, the common denominator, is me, the one who is stuck as a result of these things. And the nation of Israel was stuck. And they were waiting for this promise of the Messiah. They were waiting for this return. And we pick up today in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, and there's this response that comes forth. And Mark begins the Gospel plain and simple. And what Mark says is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's his opening line. That's how he begins, that we would understand what this means, that, that the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Here's what I'm about to tell you. Here is what this is all about. Here is the book that I have written that you would understand the theme and what all this is about. And Mark begins with the foundation of the message that he's writing. This is the foundation that you should understand it. And just like we would read in Genesis chapter 1, that in the beginning God created what? The heavens and the earth. In the Old Covenant, in the beginning, this is how it all began. And you go through the, the, the scriptures of the Old Covenant from the beginning, this is what transpired. Now we're in this New Covenant because of Jesus Christ. And, and Mark says that the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, that this is the beginning of this new covenant that you would understand this message. And when we hear the word gospel, what we've got to understand is that gospel simply means good news. That's what it means. It's, it's, a, it's a message that comes forth presenting. It wasn't unique just to be used by the Israelites or in the new covenant with Gentiles being converted, that they would use this term. The term was used before because it was one who came to present good news. That's the gospel. If you hit the lotto and won $5 million, when you come into a room, what would happen? You'd present the good news. 
Behold, I've come. Look what's happened. And we would, we, would, we would proclaim that good news to those who are around us. Maybe not a great idea, because then all of a sudden you have friends who come out of the woodworks that you never had before. But that idea, I have something to bring forth, something to share, something to impart. So simply, it just means we're coming to bring that good news. And Mark is telling this good news of Jesus Christ, of who he is. It's the gospel message. He's the son of God. And then you would get this as you unfold and read the rest of the text, the rest of what he's written. And Mark is telling of this good news of Christ, of who he is. And he quickly wants us to understand, too, that, that the unfolding of what's about to take place as an Israelite, the unfolding of this old covenant by quoting the prophet Isaiah. So he moves right next to the second verse and that you need to understand if you're reading this where it begins and what it's about and what is being fulfilled as a result of it. And Mark chapter 1 verse 2, it says this, as it's written in the prophets, the prophets of old, as it's written in the old covenant, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your, your way before you. And the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Behold, just as the prophet wrote that we understood, behold, this message is coming to pass. It's a prophetic word that's being fulfilled. A prophetic word Isaiah gave 740 years prior is being fulfilled. Mark saying, hey, listen right now. Here's the good news. This is being fulfilled that you have to pay attention to this. Prior, prior to that, what, what God's promise was, Mark's gospel is this promise to God's people. And the promise to God's people is you're no longer going to be stuck. But I'm going to help you get unstuck by sending my son. That's good news. And that's coming forth. So don't give up. Don't fear. I promise I'll send my messenger to you to prepare a way for the coming of the Messiah. Now John the Baptist, he's living out that very prophetic word. John the Baptist is the messenger for God, of God, for Jesus, for preparing the way. And John the Baptist knows his mission that's before him. It's, it's laid out. It's very clear. He understands that he's this messenger and what he's to do. And he's going forth before Christ to prepare the hearts of all those who would hear. Bringing that message forward, that they would respond. The fulfillment of these prophetic words, the words of Isaiah, are all coming to pass right now. And John is this fulfillment of the spirit of Elijah, of this promise that was given. And if we were to look in Malachi, in the last book that we have in the Old Covenant, in the Old, in the Old Testament, and it says in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, it says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to the father, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Behold, the spirit of Elijah has come. What we got to understand is from Malachi to Mark was 400 years they, they did not hear from God. That it was being lived out. And here's this moment. John the Baptist is on the scene and he's fulfilling the spirit of Elijah. Do you know why we read John wore camel hair and, and, and a leather belt and ate locusts and why they described his garments? Guess what? Guess what Elijah wore? Camel hair and a leather belt. That it's this fulfillment of a prophet. And prophets would wear that. And John was this fulfillment of the spirit of Elijah that was coming forth of God's promise. Behold, 
I will send one who will prepare a way for the coming of the Messiah. And here's these 400 years, and now it's being fulfilled. Right now, in this very moment, as Mark is writing the words and telling the story, this is what come to pass. See, John knew his mission that God had given him in his life. John's mission was simply this, is to prepare a way of the Lord by preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That was John's mission. And John began to live out that mission as God called him to do. And he brought forth that word and he shared that message to prepare the hearts of those who would listen. John didn't have this like midlife crisis and everyone's going, oh, something's wrong with John. He went out in the wilderness, he's dressing funny and, and, and he's acting a certain way. That, that's not what took place. Matter of fact, John wasn't even worried what anyone else thought about him. What he was most concerned about is what God called him to do, to live out that mission. He stood up and he, he spoke out for what he believed. Simply this, John heard God, said yes, and did it. How do we respond? How do we respond when we hear God? If we're hearing God in our life right now, how, do we say yes, Lord? Do we respond to the things that he's calling us to do? And then there's an action that follows the yes. That there's, there's, there's motion in our life to begin to live out that response for all of us. Because he calls all of us to himself. All of us are called to that relationship. But how do we respond? John wasn't worried about what everyone else thought. He was just worried about getting the things of God right. And he didn't want to miss God. And he was certain of that mission in his life. And he was living that out. See, because John was willing to fulfill his mission, people would listen. See, he was willing to fulfill the very thing that God called him to do. And because he was in God's purpose and plan for his life, people listened. Because he was fulfilling the mission and God had anointed him for that thing, for what he was called to do, it got the attention of all those around who would hear that truth coming forth. See, until we're willing to change our own life, we'll never make a difference in anyone else's life. We'll never have that influence. We'll never have that, that, that hope of that transformation that it can occur when we're engaging in that relationship unless we make that change first. Maybe you're used to or hearing that old adage or that saying, if nothing changes, it's just a reality. And... The message of repentance that John preached is as relevant now as it was then. The message stays the same. And he was called to go forth and bring this message of repentance that all would hear at this time. And you've got to understand that, that when he was giving this message, that, that wasn't a normal thing for, for uh, a Jewish people. And here was one who was heralding and preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. And, and, and not a popular message, by the way, because I encourage you when this is over, go out and wherever you go and start to say that. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And see the crowds that you gather as a result of it. Matter of fact, put on camel hair, throw on a leather belt, grab some locusts and honey, and see what God can do in your life. Never know, it might work, I, I, you know. But, but that idea that it wasn't this 
What, he wasn't giving a popular message. He wasn't there to tickle the ears of those who would hear him. He wasn't trying to build this following so he could say, hey, look how many people I've got to come around me. What he did was he was certain of the truth that he had to bring forth in others' lives. And that truth of repentance is the beginning of what has to take place. And that was the theme of his mission and his message, that you would get hold because you're preparing yourself for a king. And when you prepare yourself for a king, it starts in a place of repentance. And the word repentance, we have different associations with it. I think many of us, we think of the word repent, we think of the word confession, and we shut down. We don't want to deal with that. We don't want to think about that. Why don't we just leave that stuff in the dark and we don't ever have to talk about it again? But it's the very thing that God wants to bring to light. And repentance, all that means is it has to do with a change of direction. That's what it means. Uh, the word is metanoia, which actually says a change of mind or a change of heart. That repentance is changing your direction and having a change of heart. Do you ever change your mind about something in your life? Well, this is a biggie. This is like one, you're like, we got to get this one right. That, that I'm willing to start to head in that new direction. For me, it was a radical transformation. When I encountered the love of Jesus Christ in my life, it radically flipped me around. That, that all of a sudden, I was heading in one direction in my life, and I realized God had a completely different plan. I thought my plan was pretty good. He thought my plan was pretty bad. And because I was willing to lay that before him, I was allowing him to change, to pivot that direction in my life and begin what he had next, what he had planned. That I didn't want to miss that. So, so what would I be willing to do to allow that 180-degree turn to happen in my life. Because that's what he talks about. It's, it's changing direction into a new place. You're not making a 360-degree turn because that would put you back where you began. 180 is going in a new direction. 360 is, here I am again. And what he wants you to do is come into that complete turnaround, that change of mind, repentance. What it will do, it transforms our life, makes our thinking different, and we begin to head in this new direction. So, so what would that look like? And if our spiritual life is out of order, then, then we'll, we'll never truly get unstuck. That's part of what we have to hear. If my spiritual life is out of order, the rest of my life is going to be out of order. It's not like, oh, when I get the rest of my life together, all those things out there, then I'll start working on the spiritual part. It doesn't work that way. It works on getting my house, my life, my heart in order with God. And when I do that, what I've discovered in the 30 plus years of doing this, he takes care of the rest. But it begins with him and it begins with that change of heart. It begins with that transformation. It begins in that place of repentance. And we have to prepare the way of the Lord in our life first. So everything else can flow. So everything else can follow. And we start with surrendering our life to God. Our mission becomes clear. That new direction becomes clear. And what is, what is one change I can make today, right now, that would bring me a new tomorrow? What's that thing I can do right now that, that will change my tomorrow? Because there's something we can do right now in what he's calling us to do. How, how do we get our life on his mission? How do we prepare the way of the Lord in our life? How do we do that? Well, I'm going to give you three things, real easy. There's three things that you do to prepare your life for the way of the Lord, for the, for the preparation of his coming in your life in any step or form that that might be. And how do I do that? Well, we've got to respond. The first thing is that it's only through repentance that we can come to a relationship with God. There's no other way. It's through repentance. It's through turning. It's through making a 180-degree turn that we come into a relationship with God. 
And God loves us right where we're at, no matter our circumstance, no matter what's going on. But we have to be willing to start there, to come to the relationship with the Father. That we have to be willing to turn from those ways and say, I'm going to begin to walk in this new direction. And I want you to think of repentance. I want you to think of it like this. Because we, we, have, we all have sin in our life, just to be clear. It's not just me, right? We all have sin. You know, I know you're all looking at me, but it's not just me. We all have sin in our life. And we're all in this process of letting the Lord transform our life each and every day, allowing him in to our life. But it begins in that place. And when we think of repentance, see what the enemy wants you to do is think of all those horrible, rotten, no good things that we've done in our life. And he wants you to keep a list of them. And then he, what he wants you to believe is that you can never be forgiven of them. That's his, that's his deception for you. Oh, God will never forgive you of that. You ever heard that one? Oh, I can never bring that to light because if I bring that to light, then everyone will really know who I am. Yet repentance is like this. If we remember etch a sketch, the thing you would do with the two knobs, and you would take it, and I was as talented as making a box. That was about as good as I can do. I don't understand how people did that, or I can make actually like a little mountain scene where it just basically looks like an EKG report, you know, and goes across the thing. Look at the talent I have, mom and dad. And, and we have that. Well, what if you took something like that, an etch sketch and we began to, to put down those things that we need to repent of, those things that we need to deal with in our life? And we could look at the big things that, that are, 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 are great or cause that stumble, and we could say, you know, Lord, I got to deal with my pride. I got to deal with greed in my life. I got to deal with wrath. I got to deal with envy. I got to deal with lust. I got to deal with gluttony. I got to deal with sloth. I got to deal with whatever, whatever one of those things or all of those things. And what we do is we have an etch sketch in life, and we keep a running tab on all those things because we know the things that we've done. Inherently, we know the things that we've done that offended God. And we have this list, and we begin to keep this list, and we, we write them all down, and they're all on the, the front screen of this, and we're looking at them, and, 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 and they cause more pain and greater pain, and we don't know what to do. And that etch sketch what, what repentance is about in confessing our sins and coming to the Lord to be reconciled to him is that he takes that etch sketch and wipes it clean. That's what he does, that he erases that. And we come to that relationship with who he is, but it begins in that place. Matter of fact, Peter talked about the importance of repentance after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 3. And Peter comes out to bring this message to all alike and all who are gathering, just like John the Baptist. Not a popular message that you're going to go and bring to all your friends, but it has to be heard. And Peter says this in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. He goes out and he proclaims this message. He says, listen, repent, pivot. Turn direction. Repent and be converted. You have to hear this gospel message, this good news, that you need to turn. That your sins may be blotted out. That your etch-a-sketch, those things that the enemy wants you to hold on and believe you can't be forgiven for, will be wiped out. They'll be blotted out. So a time of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. Without repentance, we don't have the refreshing. And God wants to bring a refreshing of forgiveness in your life, but you can't get it without repentance. we got to turn as a people of God. Not allow shame and guilt and all those things. God says this is the path. John said this is the path. Peter said this is the path. You want the Spirit to be poured out in your life. Turn, pivot, allow that refreshing to come in your life, then walk in that refreshing. The second is daily, 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 we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Daily. 
Not a little bit, not some bit, but, but it's daily. Lord, I'm learning to grow with you. I'm learning to be, be guided by you, be directed by you, my missions in you, that I'm learning each and every day what it means to love you with my whole life, not some of my life, not part of my life, but all of my life. Third thing is that we love people. And you know how we love people? We love people right where they're, are, where they're at. We don't love people by, by choice of, well, you know, if I love them, they'll love me back. We don't love people when we say, you know, when they get their act together a little bit more, then I could truly start to love them. Nope, because God didn't love us that way. He loved us right where we were at, and he calls us to love others right where they're at. And this is part of that process of how we get there. See, when we, when, when we love and serve and grow and connect and give to others, we're living that disciple's life. And that's what he's calling us to do. If you're a follower of Christ, you're being called to live this disciple life in those ways. And Jesus makes it clear that, that Christians are to have a mission. And that mission is to be lived out for God's purpose and plan for your life. That no one's excluded. Everyone's included here. There's no exclusion. That we're all to participate in that way. And as a church, we have a mission. Here's our mission. Really easy. Something to lay hold of. Love God, love people, make disciples. That's it. How do we do that? How do we do And it's not one time. It's like, okay, I loved God. I loved a person. I helped him be a disciple. I'm out. It's continual. It's each and every day that we're learning to grow in that. Each and every day, I'm learning how to love God. That sanctification process is taking place each and every day. As I learn to love God, then I learn to love people. Then I learn to invest by, by, by helping them grow as disciples. That we love God, that we love people, that we make disciples. And we're actually pursuing that right now. That's the whole point of Impact Challenge. I wasn't just thinking, boy, i got to wake up for Advent and give the church something to do because they certainly need to get busy for the Lord. That was God speaking. How do you activate? How do you mobilize as a people of God? What does that mission look like in action? What do we do as a result of it? So we began last first Sunday in Advent. We said, we're going to do this together. We want you to connect. We want you to participate. So that was last Sunday, Monday morning. I wake up and as I normally do, get my cup of coffee, morning prayer, doing the daily office. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of my day. I'm making my plans for the week. And I'm thinking of all the things I got to get done within that day. And I get a little notice in the app from the church. And it says impact challenge. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. It's less than 24 hours. And I'm the one who put it in action. I'm like, oh, yeah. We're supposed to be doing this, right? How do I do this? And I get to know, and then I start thinking, well, all right, now I got to do something. This first one was about neighbors and doing something for your neighbors. I'm like, all right, so that means I got to go do something. So all my answers lie at CVS. You go to CVS and you find all your solutions. There's the birthday cards, the cards, the, the gift cards, the last minute gift, all that lifts. You've got those gifts. I know you did. You know that last minute, Father's Day, Mother's Day, whatever it is. All the solutions are there. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to get these things and put it together, and I'll be able to do something for my neighbors. Well, the same morning, there was a big rainstorm on Monday morning, and I forgot I, I had these guys coming by for the sprinklers, and they had to shut off the sprinklers, and, and it's raining, and, and I'm thinking, I've got to get out of here and do these things, and I'm like, all right, let me let them in, get this thing done, and uh, they begin to work in the pouring rain and come in the house and do what they have to do. And the Lord says to me, impact challenge. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I got to go to CBS. I got to get the. He's like, impact challenge. I'm like, oh, these guys. Like, that counts. I could do something for them. I'm like, yeah. 
I'll, 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 do, I'll, I'll give them some cash or something, but not just like a tip. Like, I want to write a card, and now I'm tearing through drawers, and I'm looking for a card. Because you can't take cash and put a sticky note with it, you know? It has to be done God's way. And i got to need a good verse that I can share with them, and it will radically change their life. They'll convert to Christ, and it will be this greatest moment that ever existed in the history of man. And I'm looking through, and then time's running out. They're going to leave, and I've trip through, I find a card, and I begin to write this verse and, and, and give them something to share, and you'll just have a blessed Christmas, and, and I'm putting this whole thing together before they leave, and, you know, really thinking, how can I bless them, so I put a dollar in the card? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, when you're going to bless someone, you bless them. It has an impact. It has a way to, that makes them pause a moment and go, whoa, why'd you do that? And I wrote it, and I was just so excited to give it to him, and, and you know, the thing, and I, I hand him the card, and he looks at me so unexpected, like, Thank you. Well, you know, I can't believe you did it. And you know what they did? They, they, they didn't leave right away. They, they sat in the van and they opened the card and they read it. I thought to myself, impact challenge. This is what God's calling us to do. And I got more out of it than they did. It was just a few dollars. It wasn't a lot. It was a blessing I got to impart. I don't know what God's going to do with that seed, but I know he'll cause it to grow. And that we're called to do that. So we have to prepare the way of the Lord. When, when, when we do, when we prepare the way of the Lord, he is who makes our path straight. We don't make our path straight. Our path looks like this. We prepare a way for the Lord in our life. All of a sudden, our path starts going in the right direction. And we have to prepare our lives for his way, not my way. So to do that, we got to start with repentance in that place and daily take a moral inventory. Daily come before the Lord. Live penitent, a penitent life of God, forgive me, I've missed it again and help me in this place and he will forgive you again and he'll meet you in that place. Daily we have to learn how to love God uh, with my whole life, not some of my life. And then daily I have to learn how to love others and, and, and love them right where they are. Just as God loved me, I've got to love them and, and encounter that. So here's that reminder. Let today be the day that we prepare a way for the Lord, that he makes our path straight, and he leads us in the direction that he's calling us to go, and that we'll have an opportunity to meet God during the season of Advent. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you meet us each and every moment. You're meeting us now, and you've spoken to us, Lord. Well, if you're here in person or you're watching right now through our live stream, and that, that repentance, that turning, is there's a moment each of us have to make that direction change, that pivot. And it begins by, by coming to that relationship that he desires to have. And Scripture tells us by great through, through faith, he, he gives his gift of eternal life. And the gift is useless if I don't take it, if I don't receive it from him. And the way I receive it is I turn. I surrender and I say, God, I need you to come into my life to take control, to make this direction change because I can't do it on my own. But that invitation is for all of us. And I don't know where your heart's at, but what I do know is God wants your heart because he loves you. So we have to make a decision for him for ourselves. And, and to do that is to pray to let him in your life that way. So if you're in person or you're watching online and you haven't done that, I want to pray with you to know him in that way. If you'd like to join me, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I open my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Now, 
if you prayed that in your heart, what I can tell you is your life's about to get unstuck in a big way. So what's important is we let someone know that we share that. So if you're in person today on your way out, let a host know, let someone in the lobby know, hey, I prayed that. Or if you're online right now, you can click on a button that says, hey, I prayed that, I raised my hand. Because what we want to do is help you on that journey of discipleship. And we're committed for you to find that purpose and that plan that God has for your life. Amen? Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you.